This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You bring up anything, we go to your phone calls. We'll start things out with Matthew, the intern in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Matthew. Gentlemen, Sam, the man, I've always wanted to talk to you because uh, you're doing, doing something great for liberty and spending all that time in jail. You're too much of a more than a man that I could ever hope to be. That's amazing. Well, thank you, um, Matthew. Now that I've got that out there, um, a couple of nights ago, Nick called from Texas about a story he had about how the cops messed with him uh, out of the caves in some Kentucky thing, I think it was. They wanted to uh, right. search his car, and they allowed it to happen. Right. Well, as an av- one avid pot smoker to another, and I wanted to give him some advice. I've never been busted. Not, I'm not like Barry Cooper or anything like that, but I've never been busted with weed, and I smoke <laughs> every day, all day. Nice. Uh, three, pe- three pieces of advice I'd give to him is, A, like you said, never, ever, ever let a cop search. I don't care what he tells you, if it's for your own safety, the answer is always going to be no. But like Mark says, you want to be polite as possible and not give that guy a reason to go off. You know. So what I do is I keep a dog with me. Whenever I have weed on me, I keep a dog with me. Not so such a big dog where they're going to be intimidated by it. That's too big. But you want to keep one, uh, I'd say about corgi size or um, uh, terrier size. Okay. With you at all times. That way if, they, if you're ever in your car and the Cops ask you, hey, can we search your car? Like, no, I'm not getting out of the car. We're in the middle of the road, and I've got my dog in the car, and I have a car, and you never keep the leash on him. You keep it in your pocket. I have no, I have no leash. And if the dogs come, you know, hey, the dog's not going to cue on drugs because they're going to be barking at each other the whole time. It, it seems a little elaborate. Like, maybe if you were transporting several pounds of uh, marijuana, it wouldn't be a bad, uh, a bad approach. But not everybody has the ability to take their dog everywhere they go if they happen to have weed with them. Um, how about just the simple approach of saying, well, you know, with all due respect, uh, I, I do have things to be doing, so I'd, I'd like to be moving on now. Thank you. Well, as an African-American... I can tell you right now, a lot of times that doesn't work. Okay. Uh, in the real world. Fair enough. <laughs> you can. Okay, but I can tell you, like on a camping trip, that's when especially those cops would have never snuck up on him had he had a dog with them. Mm. My dogs let me know when someone's a quarter mile away. Hey, there's somebody coming in that direction. You might want to put your stuff away. They don't say that literally, but they let right. me know. Yeah, so sure. I mean, they, you know, that's another good piece of advice. And like you said, don't if you don't have to take it with you, don't take it with you. Obviously. Yeah. Leave it at home if you can. But if you have to take it with you, and a dog is a great friend, too. So it, it kills two, two, two birds with one stone. Hey, I, I, I like dogs uh, just fine, no doubt about it. But for those who don't like them or who prefer other animals, and the, you know, it's advice that won't be very helpful. The cat isn't going to let you know when somebody's sneaking up, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The, the cat might chew your eye out after you're dead. That's about <laughs> it. I understand that. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I just wanted to put that out there. Okay. Except from one pot smoker to another, like... Get a dog. All right. Good advice. Thanks for the call. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. So last night we had started an email from uh, the White House. (laughs) They like to write me emails. I don't know how I got on their list. Mr. Axelrod. David Axelrod, senior advisor to the president. Sometimes even old Barack Obama takes the keyboard and taps one out, (laughs) allegedly. 
<laughs> and so I had begun uh, to read through. It was the very end of the show, so we didn't really have time to do much more than scratch the surface of this. But they're trying to uh, counteract what they call misinformation, uh, misrepresentations, actually, is the, the term that they use, about their health insurance, their government-run health insurance program, which, of course, we all know is not going to start as a particularly 100% government-run program, but the basic plot is to launch a government insurance program to so-called compete uh, with the regular uh, insurance programs that are out there. And if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your health insurance, you can keep your health insurance. Sure, sure you can until Just they go out of business. Or or they raise the prices uh, so high that they're prohibitive. I right. mean, you can send all of your first class mail through UPS or FedEx. It'll just cost you a fortune. Yes, there are these premium services out there, um, you know, since the post offices run all the private, I, I kept all the uh, the private competitors out of the first class mail business. You By can, threat of force. Yeah, but yeah. basically, um, they, they, there is a law there that says you cannot compete in uh, first class mail for under a dollar. And I'm sure they'll raise that after they've inflated the dollar to the point that, uh, yeah. you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not it's not worth it. So, yeah, you know, that's what that's what's going to happen. But you can have you can have all the premium service you want and pay ten times what uh, what you would pay otherwise. If the gov- the companies don't just decide to go out of business because they just can't get enough people to buy their super premium deluxe services, which will all the it's all they'll be able to offer after a while, because the government's going to come in there and force them to add all of this coverage and regulate them even more so than they're currently regulated and drive up their costs dramatically. They're going to end discrimination for pre-existing conditions, meaning the companies will have to take on anybody that walks through their door, uh, end exorbitant out-of-pocket expenses, deductibles, or copays. So they're going to put a cap on what can be charged for uh, various different copays and other expenses like that, thereby increasing the costs to the insurance companies. And I think we left off on number three, ends cost-sharing for preventative care. Insurance companies must fully cover, without charge, regular checkups and test, uh, tests that help you prevent illness, such as mammograms or eye and foot exams, for diabetics. And this is the equivalent of a car insurance program paying for your oil changes. If you don't get oil, yeah, if you don't get oil changes... Eventually, there's going to be some naughty, bad things going on in your engine compartment. And so that's preventative maintenance, and that's essentially the car version of what they're talking about here. But if all car insurance programs were forced to pay for oil changes, then the premiums would go up dramatically because you take the buyer out of the marketplace from having to see and understand and 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 work in the marketplace and actually look at the market signals, look for different prices and say, okay, I think I'll go to Valvoline or Jiffy Lube or this local market or this mom and pop store to get my oil changed because they're cheapest or they're the best or whatever the deal is. Now, instead of that, they'll just go to wherever and the company will just get to charge the insurance company, I mean, whatever they think is whatever appropriate. Whatever the insurance company probably will likely would pay. But, uh, you know, you, when you do take them out, you also insert into the equation two level of bureaucrats um, on the, the, um, the side of uh, the, these companies. And who's going to pay them? So the cost of getting an oil change skyrockets, and this is what has happened to the medical industry. When you get the oil change, it costs $15. I, sometimes you can get them for 15 bucks or 19 bucks mm-hmm. if you go to get a coupon and, and go to the right place. Sometimes you can get charged $39 if you yeah. go to the wrong place. So 
Um, but w- if you have somebody on the, the 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 Jiffy Lube place or whatever it's called, Zippy, we'll call it Zippy Lube rather than Jiffy, Zippy Lube uh, place, they have to have a bureaucrat then, you know, a, a bean counter to fill out the paperwork in order to give it to the government so that the uh, or the the insurance company, so the insurance company can then give it to a bureaucrat who has to fill out the paperwork in order to be able to get the checks sent out. Some bureaucrat there on that that side has to fit, you know get the checks right. done and send it back to the bureaucrat on as opposed to just going and buying the damn oil check. Right. Good point. You, you, you go to some guy who's got grease in his hand. You give them a $20 bill, he gives you a penny back. Well, and what I've heard in these last two bullets is really abdicating personal responsibility and, and taking that away. When something's free, how much do you want? As much as, as, much you, as you can get. Yeah, but when it costs money, you're going to take as much as you need. By getting rid of the copays and so forth, they're saying, hey, just you know, come in as often as you want, and you know, the government will then have to put in some kind of uh, bureaucratic hoops for people to jump through that are going to bar people that really need that, that service or that treatment from, from actually getting it. Well, the biggest hoop's going to be the lines that are generated by something like this. I mean, if anybody can go in and get all the preventative care up to, I'm sure there will be certain caps on the amount, the amount of things you can get per year, but still, it'll be more than a lot of people might be currently doing you're in a marketplace that'll right. be down because doctors are going to be quitting. Like we talked to Gene, the Christian anarchist, last night, and he said that his wife's a doctor. She's ready to get out of the business if this uh, if this goes through. So you're going to see the best doctors leave. You're going to see demand increase dramatically, and you're going to see lines. Uh, no doubt about it. I mean, this is sure. it's so obvious. And making preventative care free. Well, guess what happens a few years down the road when the health care plan is running short of money? Suddenly, all of those preventive care treatments and options that are available, the list would probably shrink. And they're going to say, well, you know, this isn't really preventative care. We're not going to cover that anymore. Toll free number here is 800-259-9231. If you'd like to analyze or speculate on this or bring up whatever you want, you can. 800-259-9231. The president's bullet points aren't done yet. We'll uh, get to some more of these coming up here on the program tonight. And you can take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. Hey, and Sam. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The features are free. We give them to you, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. You can see them, and if you are a lady listener, you can become a part of the Shrine. Uh, also, a video validation option is available. Learn all about it at Shrine shrine.freetalklive.com that's shrine.freetalklive.com and do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? Well, SACL CAI does collections early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. Let's go to your phone calls. We'll continue going down the list of bullet points that the, the propaganda that the White House wants to get out there into the public and, of course, responding to them uh, as the show goes on here. But I want to get to the phone calls because that's what the show is all about. Let's talk first to Ziggy in the U.K. across the pond. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Ziggy. Hi, Z- uh, hi guys. What's um, on your mind tonight? Daniel Hannan, um, who often appears on Freedom Watch, um, something he said on Freedom Watch has caught up with him over here. Um, he said that the uh, NHS was uh, a big mistake. The National Health Service, which is your government-run health care system. Yeah, and it's causing a bit of a stir now here. Oh, um, excellent. Ironically, whereas your 
um, protesting against the government spending even more money on health care, people would protest here if the government don't spend enough. Mm. Um, to be honest, um, you would, last night you were talking about uh, the life, uh, meaning of life, um, the Monty Python film. Yes. There's a sketch at the beginning of that film, um, Birth, uh, which is closer to, uh, has a lot of truth in it about the NHS. The, the uh, hospital administrator coming into the, the birthing clinic going, I hope you're using the machine that goes ping. <laughs> um, this, is, this is actually something that kind of goes on with, with the NHS. Basically, the politicians only spend money on what is politically, politically expedient. They don't spend, spend money on, um, you know, what is needed. Um, Basically, I know that you're not, you guys are not in favour of the voucher system. Mm-hmm. However, it would be an improvement here um, because at least the free market would be able to provide um, healthcare where healthcare is needed. See, this and is the madness of the voucher system. I'm sorry, Ziggy. That, this seems to be the madness of the voucher system. It's another government fix to a government-created problem. You're saying that vouchers would help the uh, the government's problem created by the National Health Service. And it and likely would. Maybe you're right about that. But it's well, it still be, another be better, layer be better, of bureaucracy. It would be better than what we have now. That's what I, I'm saying. It's, you know, it's certainly a, free mar- a complete free market would be, would be best. But, but it's not Ian, really another step in the right direction. It's just yeah, a reorganization Ian, I'm being, I'm being of the state. Pragmatic here. You, you really don't understand. The NHS is the third biggest employer in the world. It's the biggest employer in Europe. You are fighting a lot of self-interest. You're also fighting public opinion. I mean, this country um, is so in love with the, the concept of universal health care. So I try. What makes you think they're going to take your voucher idea? Um. Well, they generally go, oh, no. Yeah. Someone once went to me, um, I said, yeah, but then p- companies would be making profits out of cancer <laughs> patients. And I go, well, don't you realize that then they can, you know, use that profit to research um, c- cures for cancer? Yeah, if they can cure cancer, then they well deserve a profit. <laughs> I mean, come exactly, on. Exactly. exactly. And, you know, it, it's basically people think that, you know, people should be making profits out of health care. Well, people already do. The pharmaceutical industry does. The pharmaceutical industry probably loves there being universal health care in, in this country. Well, the bureaucrats you know, certainly profit. Really I mean, those big contracts. Those bureaucrats are profiting. They're taking home check, uh, money, more money than they had to begin with. I guess it's oh, not and really the. I have to correct act. you on something. Every time you bring up British dentists on the show, I need to point this out. Twenty years ago, the Thatcher government actually privatized uh, opticians and dentists. Most dentists in this country are actually private now. Really? Um, wow. The, the stories you get are about people who are trying to search for NHS dentists. There are a few. Um, I mean, in the, in the, uh, where I live in the country, it's fairly middle and upper class, but there's very few. Um, hmm. But that's what people moan about. They don't, they don't moan about the fact that they have a choice now. They, have a, they moan about the fact that there's a lack of NHS dentists. Because basically they think they get health care for free. Right. Sure, sure. Uh, and this is what it teaches people to do. Or saps. Um, is, it's the same way with uh, public school. They, they imagine to themselves, well, the education is supposed to be free. You have a right to, to education. Here in this, uh, obviously, Ziggy, there's a difference between what you guys call public school and what we call yeah. public school. But government schools, people get the idea that they have a right to an education. And I'm not saying they don't have a right to get educated. They just don't have a right to force other people to pay for their education. And really, 
you know, our education system is essentially, a, uh, you know, a support, a delivery system for support to the teachers union. So it's just a big mess. Oh, exactly. It's the same with the NHS. I mean, the, the, the unions, uh, Unison, which is, I think, the biggest union in this country, has a lot of employees in the NHS. And, of course, you, you, as soon as you, you threaten to do anything with the NHS, they threaten to go on strike. Yep. So, you know, to, to be honest... I once said to Gardner that if you try and uh, get rid of universal health care in this country, you're not just hitting your head against a brick wall. You're hitting your head against a brick wall, which, which is 30 feet thick and armor-plated. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So if fighting isn't the answer, Ziggy, what might be? Working around the, the problem, um, you know, they want universal health care. I've said to them, look, um, for instance, I gave them a very, very good incident. Um, I said, everyone knows that, for instance, mental health, doesn't get the funding because it's not politically expedient. Whereas in the free market, you know, there would be more help, uh, you know, uh, you know, d- diverted there. So the voucher system, you know, if there was needed for a psychiatric hospital, one would be set up. Yes, the government still pays. So basically people do get more... They're, they're uh, doing choice. more than that, though, Ziggy. They're not just paying. They're also setting the standards and, you know, adopting the best practices and so forth. So if you have the same overarching authority and, and control uh, apparatus in place, what what does it matter if I go to uh, Dr. A or School A or School B? Um, well, I can give you another instance. Um, my local hospital is always coming bottom of the league table, and there's no incentive for it to be um, improved. And that's the, only doctor, uh, that's the only hospital my doctor can refer me to for, for, for general staff. If the hospital was privately run, there would be an incentive for it to, to improve because the doctor would have a choice of what hospital to send me to. And if that hospital is still coming at the bottom of the, the league tables um, and failing, then doctors but aren't going to send They're failing because they're... Str- they're st- basically getting smothered under all of these government regulations. Which would continue in a, in a uh, voucher situation, as we've seen with uh, the school vouchers. It just gives the government an excuse to come in and control those private entities. So it's just giving the government uh, another reach into an area that they previously... But wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't the insurance companies um, have standards and regulations? That They should. They should. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so it, it, it's about the same. No, because you have competing insurance companies out there setting various different standards versus the monopoly government paradigm. Ziggy, thank you for the call. There is no easy answer here, though. I mean, really, Sam. I mean, you can. It's easy for us to uh, slap down Ziggy's suggestion, but what would we do yeah, if well, we were in his pa- his place? And I think there are corner cases that would come up where you know it might be better to in, in this instance, but overall. I don't think it solves the problem. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. What would your solution be if you were in the U.K.? Or maybe you are. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is 
Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Features including the updates. Get signed up. We will keep you in the loop. When you need to know something about Free Talk Live, you'll know it first. If you're on the updates list, that's updates.freetalklive.com. That's, again, updates. FreeTalkLive.com and Audible.com is the internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. Listen whenever and wherever you want, just like the just like a podcast. Audible has over sixty thousand titles from which to choose, and you can get your free audiobook download by signing up today at AudiblePodcast.com/ftl. Every genre, Audible has it covered. AudiblePodcast.com/ftl. For your free audio book, as we continue taking your phone calls about anything, we'll go to Eric in Texas on the amp line. Hello, Eric. Good evening, guys. Eric, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, well, real quick before I get to what I called about, I just wanted to give an update. Uh, last week I called in to recommend a, a, a bit of entertainment called in a show called Raising the Bar, uh, a very, I guess, libertarian-esque uh, TV show, which is almost impossible to find these days. Um, and uh, I just uh, finished catching up on it, and they did an episode, a very recent one, about jury nullification. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah, I just thought that was kind of cool, and I thought I'd pass that along. Uh, but I wanted to, the reason I'm calling tonight is I wanted to revisit the civil disobedience versus political action debate. Uh, okay. I guess, it was la- I guess it was last month that things uh, got kind of heated on the show. Last month that- Oh. And, uh, sorry. That's all right. Um, and uh, it kind of disturbed me how everybody was kind of getting at each other's throat. Because the way I look at it, we have to have both. And without both, we'll get nowhere. Um, because, uh, and you guys have even pointed out in the past, uh, the only way that uh, the change to a more free society would happen overnight is through a violent revolution. Other than that, the only way we're going to get there is through a gradual reduction in government. And the only way you're going to do that is through political action. But I don't know if I accept all that as, I don't know if I accept all that as true. I don't either. And and besides that, I think that the conversation wasn't uh, about what you were suggesting. It wasn't a either or sort of thing. Uh, It was more of a debate over which, uh, which was more effective. And there's really been no, um, there's really been no conclusion on that. So there are certain people that are in certain camps as far as what they believe to be more effective, but nobody can really draw any sort of uh, conclusions because, well, we're not really closer to liberty. The, what has happened is uh, maybe there's been some slowing down of the, the rise of the state. Uh, but On know, the political side. Yeah, on the, on the political side, but uh, that's a crapshoot okay. as to whether or not that would have happened anyway uh, without, the, without the efforts. Not likely. If Speculation. You look at, if you look at it historically, though, you have to have both. I mean, uh, sure, what, what Rosa Parks did was incredibly brave, but if we didn't have uh, the, the, the desegregation laws come about, it wouldn't have meant anything. I don't know if uh, I can agree with it that it, you have to have both. I think having both, there are certainly some advantages to it, and it's a more effective route to take because essentially you're burning the candle at both ends. But to exactly. say, but to say, to compare Rosa Parks to what's happening out here, Rosa Parks wanted changes within the existing system. What we're talking about is peacefully evolving beyond the need for government and showing people that, 
look, this group of violent uh, people running around forcing everyone to do it their way may not be the best way. There, it might be that you know if if we advocate personal responsibility and allow people to solve their own problems in the way that they think is best, that that might be a better, more humane, compassionate system. And I totally agree. Um, and but one of the reasons, one of the things that kind of stood out to me was it seemed like the political action people were the people who were kind of pushing this whole argument uh, last month. And I found it very odd this week uh, when I saw your your latest video, Ian, uh, throwing out the challenge uh, uh, for FIJA activism in the state. And it, uh, to, specifically, I believe you were challenging the people in the Manchester area. Uh, FIJA is the Fully Informed Jury Association. It's an organization that is is dedicated to reaching out to potential jurors and, and regular people and letting them know that they have the ability to nullify a jury, that they have the ability to nullify a law by saying not guilty if they are a juror, um, if they if they disagree with the law itself. So even if there's uh, just hardcore evidence that somebody committed some offense, sure, uh, prohibition dealing, of alcohol, they yeah. may have had alcohol. Do you think that the prohibition, the the, the laws against the prohibiting of, of of having alcohol, that's the problem? Right. So the that's what prohibiting. That's what Fiji is out there promoting. They're promoting the idea that jurors have that ability, which judges won't tell them about. And so there was a Dave Ridley video at RidleyReport.com where I was basically uh, encouraging. Dave said I was sh- 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 shaming them or something like that, but there was a little bit of that going on. But mo- mostly I was trying to encourage them by telling uh, activists, and this is anywhere, not just New Hampshire, but all across the country, uh, telling activists how easy this is, and that you don't need a whole bunch of activists to go out and do fully informed jury association outreach, and that certainly in New Hampshire, where we're, we're bragging every night about how many hundreds of activists there are here, it's kind of embarrassing that there there isn't more fully informed jury association outreach going on. What was the point you wanted to make about that? Well, I mean, it, it seems to me uh, from from what I've noticed, most of the civil disobedience activists are moving to Keene, and most of the political activists are moving to Manchester. So, and, and it seems to me FIJA outreach is a political activism. Uh, why is it that Keene is completely outperforming Manchester in this regard? I'd say it's because we have the best activists. I don't. um, That may be so. um, I don't know that I entirely considered a political um, activism. It's not political activism in the same way as getting your candidate elected. What you're doing is you're asking. It's inside the system. Sort of, but what you're doing, you're still acting, asking normal individuals to nullify the law. Is that inside the system or is that outside the system? I suppose it's it's close. I can can see that, but I don't know. You know, is it political action? Maybe. We're asking them to vote their conscience, essentially, and to follow the way the, – to to use the system in the way that it was designed to be used to begin with. I, I think that's pretty in the system as you can get. And, and it seems to me like it's a much easier uh, form of activism than going out and begging people to give your candidate money. I would I say mean, so, it, yeah. It takes what – you guys spend, what, a half an hour a morning – Forty-five. It's forty-five. It's about thirty to forty-five minutes a month, um, and and people can do this. I've I've written a letter to the fully informed jury association outlining this. I posted it over at Free Keen a few weeks ago, so you could see it before it appears. Hopefully, in their newsletter. I believe they're going to publish it in their next one, not the summer one, but the fall one. 
and uh, basically you you go to wherever the juries are being selected. You call the courthouse and you find out when and uh, how often that happens, what time in the morning you need to be there. And you go from basically right when it starts, maybe show up a couple minutes before it starts, because usually, at least around here, the doors are closed. Then they open the doors up, so you've got a bunch of potential jurors lined up outside waiting. And you basically just hand them fully informed jury association flyers, which you can download or order from fija.org, F-I-J-A.org. You you hand them out. You know you offer them with a with a nice smile. It's the morning, so you want to smile at uh, at people and and uh, and say something to the effect of, "Would you like free information on your rights as a juror?" And you hold out the brochure, and that kind of encourages people to reach out and, and take it. And around here, it's an amazing uh, percentage of people that actually takes them from us, which is great. I'd say at least 80%, maybe 90% of people will go ahead and take that information. And then you basically you stay there for the entire time that the, between when they open the doors and they start taking the jurors in to when the jurors are supposed to be there by. So the jurors have a certain deadline. It's always, you know, you need to be here by 9 a.m. or 8.30 or whatever the time is. And then we'll stay 10 minutes after that particular time because you inevitably are going to have the procrastinators or the stragglers that'll show up late and we certainly want to get uh, flyers into their hands too so it's a pretty simple operation it takes us they only choose jurors once a month here in in Cheshire County New Hampshire so it's a really easy uh, very low risk uh, simple activity that I think can have the potential to to do a lot does that answer your question having worked on a political campaign I can tell you that sounds a hundred times easier than begging for cash for a candidate. Absolutely, or going door to door and doing any sort of uh, political action like that. I'm with you. Thanks, Eric, for the call tonight. 800 259 9231. You can bring up anything. So, FIJA, Fully Informed Jury Association, two activists. That's, uh, I'd say, about the minimum is what you need to do that. It's easy stuff. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy this program and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. You can purchase pretty much anything that you need there. They've got dozens of categories in which you can shop. Even used items, if you need to save a few extra bucks, go to amazon.freetalklive.com. Get free super saver shipping on a whole bunch of new items. Amazon.freetalklive.com. We will get a percentage. Uh, Eric in Texas just brought up a few moments ago the the still open wound almost of this uh, this this schism that sort of exists and sort of doesn't within the uh, the liberty movement. It's more of like an online phenomenon and a, uh, a an in depth discussion that we've had on the air than anything that actually affects too much in in real life. But it's still interesting to talk about uh, from the the perspective of tactics and what it will take to uh, to end the reign of the authoritarian state and move on into a, a more peaceful voluntary society or in Mark's dream world, a perfect little government that won't hurt the wrong people mm-hmm. and uh, it'll do a great job with courts and police and roads. Uh, so, you know, whatever direction it ends up going, I think either way would be better than, than what we currently have today. Uh, we can all agree on that much. But uh, talking about the, those tactics, and I wanted to just expound a little bit on where I disagreed with Eric, and he was suggesting that he believes that both Civil disobedience and political action are necessary in order to achieve that sort of eventual goal of volunteerism or voluntarism, voluntary society, consent-based society as opposed to a coercive society. And I disagree. I think that 
while there are certainly going to be people who will continue to do politics and politics will continue to attract new people in, and I think there's some some benefit to working that system and, and getting the attention that is, is garnered from those who participate in it or to, uh, that is given to those who participate, you know, running candidates just for the purpose of getting a message out, things like that. I think there's some some use to the political system. Right. Those are people that care and that are interested and willing to take time out of their lives. But I think that uh, – What's what what you could see happen is if there were enough people doing civil disobedience, the political system will just trail along eventually. Like if there are enough people out there who are going to disobey whatever the given uh, law is that the question that's on the table at the time, you know, for instance, here in in New Hampshire, they were looking at passing a seatbelt legislation that would mandate that everybody who's an adult in New Hampshire has to wear a seatbelt. And there were people that signed a petition that said. You pass this law, and even though I'm relatively law-abiding, I will make a point of disobeying this law, and I'll make a point of not paying for the fine. And that was... I don't think that they found that. I, I understand there were, there were about 30 people who did that in a state of 1.2 million, 1.3 million, excuse me. And I don't think that the bureaucrats, the, uh, the politicians, found that in the least bit motivating. I went to their little political thing there and mm-hmm. stood in the room, and uh, they, they shut down the, uh, the, the, the public speaking portion. So I had made the, the hour-and-a-half drive to Concord and then the hour-and-a-half drive back for nothing. Yeah, they really don't care. They... Know that if they put in place this system of of extracting money from people, that in the long run enough people will pay that it'll pay for the you know the laggers that don't want to pay, Probably and then true. at some point or another they'll beat the laggers into into submission. So they really don't care about your civil disobedience on that uh, on that aspect. What stopped it was the political activists and the uh, and the phone calling campaign. So I mean to even talk about uh, uh, civil what disobedience. What I'm trying to tell you in the the realm of se- seatbelts. It's somewhat disingenuous. What I'm telling you, Mark, is I'm not saying that was why it failed. I'm saying that it's an example of how people were willing to go ahead and do something sure. about that issue, as opposed to just but bow down. Really, I mean, as opposed to just bow down and pay the fines. So if you have enough people who refuse to obey, if you have enough people who refuse to ask for permission to live their lives and to be and to act as though they are free people, if the state can't extract obedience anymore from a significant portion of society, even if it's, I mean, when I say significant, I mean five, ten percent. I think that's uh, that's more than enough to really grind the gears of the state completely down and gum it up. And if if the state is not getting the obedience it's demanding, if it's not getting the fines it's demanding, if it's if it's not if we're not going along with their program anymore, eventually they'll either just start ignoring those things or, you know, the political system will decide to change how it operates based on the, the fact that people aren't being obedient in those areas. So I, I don't think that politics is necessary, is a necessary step to achieve the voluntary society. I think you'll see it kind of trail along and, and follow if that's the direction things go. I absolutely I'd like to concur encourage with that. what you're saying. Okay. Absolutely true. If you got enough people to tell the state to stick it where the sun don't shine, you would be successful, and there are lots of historical examples of that. Now, the question is, is how easy is it to get those people that collected in one area and to keep morale up? And one of the one of the things that you have to ask yourself is, which is easier? I'd rather, I would, wouldn't mind, uh, you know, being uh, elected to sheriff in my county, but I'm not going to go to jail for two months like Sam did and leave my family in the lurch. So you've got this, these, uh, this level of uh, of willingness to participate. I am willing to do things within the system because 
it's likely I won't go to jail for two months. I am not sure, willing it's low to... low risk. That's I, why politics is popular. I, th- I, I think that there are disservices done by so, sort of half-stepping, and once again, I'm going to throw this hand grenade at you. I think that um, the, the, the couch instance, lots of people had the opportunity, your couch in your yard, that you refused to move when the state My neighbor's came, couch. Whatever, um, in your neighbor's yard, and you refu- refused to move it um, when the bureaucrats came along, but at some point or another, you said... After they tossed you in jail for 90 days and then gave you – after four days, you had an opportunity to kiss butt and get out, and you did, and then you re- removed the couch. I think that that kind of half-stepping, um, it, it doesn't increase morale to a great deal, and I think that there's there's disadvantages. Oh, well, I disagree because mm-hmm. we can count the number of people that moved here to Keene based on the fact that that incident occurred. How many other people have nationally syndicated radio shows? Not very many. That's right. So it would have been a defeat for anybody else. And I don't it was know looked about that. As, I don't know. I'm it, sorry. I don't agree with that. Okay. We've it, been talking it, on this radio show. Now, we've been now talking we're in the realm on this speculation. Radio, we've been talking. This isn't speculation. We've been talking on this radio show for years from the time before we moved here to New Hampshire about some of the great civil disobedience activism going on here. And there have been people that have told me that it's you know them hearing about what uh, Lauren Canario did in, in New London yep. and what she's done here in, in New Hampshire and Russell Canning from the New Hampshire Free Press, all these people that we've discussed over the years on this program, that uh, they heard that news, and that was exciting enough to them to get them up here. Dale is here, Dale from AnarchyInYourHead.com, who we have on this, th- this show on Thursday nights, is here specifically because of what Lauren did. Lauren doesn't have her own nationally syndicated radio show, but yet her message got out she there didn't through have this show, much either. through this show, and through YouTube and other places, Ridley Report, and that drew people here. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about the fact that civil disobedience, no matter... No matter what level of extremeness the mm-hmm. uh, the person goes to, has an uh, has an attractive effect on people who who appreciate that kind of activism. It it may be so. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's confirmed. I've well, met the to people. To some extent, <laughs> Sam moved here in order to do it right. After you effed it up, right? Well, some people said Sam did it wrong. Well, of course they did. I mean, there there will be people that will that, that will sit on the sidelines. But I'm just saying no, no. That, I'm not talking about people that sit on the sidelines. I'm people that I'm talking about people that have their own way of doing things that they think is right. I'm not saying they would necessarily tell Sam he's wrong, but they think their way is a more appropriate way to do things. There have been five or six people. I'm losing count. Five or six activists that have gone into the Cheshire County Jail facility this year alone, and each one of them took a slightly different approach as to what they did. Uh, Andrew Carroll fasted for. The whole time he was in there, David Cruz uh, decided to eat while while he was there. Dave Ridley was eating while uh, while he was there, but Dave wasn't answering questions. Uh, so there's all kinds of different uh, approaches that are happening here. Is one of them better than the others? I don't think so. I think each approach is right for that person who took it for their, the time in their life that they were at and the, the different parameters that surrounded them. I don't cri- uh, criticize any of them for, for doing it. Whatever they think is right, I think they should do as long as it's peaceful. Well, um, And the point that I'm trying to make here for you is that it is more difficult to do civil disobedience than it is to work within the system. Would you agree with that? Sure, that's why people work within the system, because it's easy. That's why there's so many more people working within the system than there are people but working effect, outside of the system. But their effect is the, less. Yeah, look at the results, Mark. Well, I, I will look at the results. There are uh, six free staters in the uh, New Hampshire House. A quarter, Nearly a quarter of the New Hampshire House is rated libertarian, if you want to be kind of generous as to what a, a libertarian is. According, I think it's above 80% in, in the House. I mean, uh, that's, that's some success. It's it's political success. Than it was four years ago. It's political success, but it's not anything to write home about. 
Well, neither is what the the the, the active the so outside the system activist to an outside here. the system activist it is uh, and to, a, to a political activist and to a political activist what you're talking about is something exciting and worth writing home about but from my perspective it's kind of ho hum. Well, I understand that they've only gotten in the system and they haven't managed to achieve a lot. They've stopped a few things, but they haven't managed to achieve a lot. But then you have to say, what have this outside of the system activists achieved? They've recruited people here in order to do more things. So, in the with the political activists, big That's fat great. hairy deal. So, except, <laughs> uh, except the outside the system is, in my opinion, more effective. So, I'd take one outside the system activist over fifty political activists. Which any one day. generates more press? Going to protest against a bill or getting arrested and, and thrown in jail without trial? I, 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 I'm certainly you know, they generate press, but. Sometimes that press is negative and turns people against. On the rest it. of the state, a lot of free staters are considered to be, hey, free staters, come on in. Yeah, but you know the political guys are getting negative press, too, when they get it. So it's not like it's all party time for them. More coming up. Hour two's on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Don't forget to join Sam over on his website, obscuredtruth.com. And you have been putting out some really great liberty-oriented videos focusing on exposing the uh, the system as the violent, awful place that it really is. And you've done a great job of it. And, of course, people should be following. They should be subscribing to the YouTube channel if they get a chance over at ObscuredTruth.com. The newest videos are that are on the channel are from our encounters with some of the town hall bureaucrats that were supposed to be taking questions from constituents about the uh, the town hall, the, uh, the government healthcare situation and they were less than accepting toward uh, toward us you can see those videos at obscuretruth.com good stuff all right let's take your calls about anything we go to scott in wisconsin you're on free talk live hello scott oh how you doing there mark ian and sam scott what's on your mind tonight sir well i just wanted to talk a little bit about this uh, health insurance and uh and this cap and trade bill i think if our government when they do it, the question is when they capture this, passing this health and the cap and trade, we're going to be screwed and tattooed. But the reason that I called in is last December, um, I was affected by being one of the millions that lost his job uh, building seats for General Motors for 15 and a half years. You were building seats? Yes. Okay. Uh, for General Motors, I lost a lot of friends that I spent 15 and a half years working with. Mm. 
my plant, uh, GM, closed in Janesville, Wisconsin. Um, I just wanted to ask you guys about this cash for junk to trade in for a new vehicle. Um, what I see is another trap from the government. Um, it dawned on me the other day that when I was driving by a lot of these uh, sales car lots out here, they're about empty. And I thought to myself, oh, geez, uh, they are offering this, uh, bringing in these beaters for new um, vehicles, and they're saying for better gas mileage. Well, I disagree with that because I think some of the older vehicles still get better gas mileage with the new ones. But I just wanted to say that I think it's, another, like I said, another trap because now with these people going in to purchase these new vehicles, uh, I go by the car lots uh, not very often, but out in my area in Wisconsin, there are almost no more cars yeah, there's on the lots where they sell the new cars. There's been some real uh, economic factors that have been uh, resulting from this cash for clunkers program, and one of, the, one of them is that the used car prices are going up. Sure, they're right. destroying all these cars. Right, and I wanted to make a point. I think what Mark and Ian and Sam might want to comment here in a little while, I think what they're trying to do is is to totally uh, attack the plants for closing in Michigan and all around in this country, and then it's just a twindle-down thing of then you're going to, of course, not get the vehicles built. No, no I don't think they're trying to actually hurt the automotive industry. I think this is actually a... A giveaway to the you know what is now government motors by yeah, they're trying to get cars sold yeah I mean, they're they're creating a, an auto bubble just like they did with houses right it's an unnatural incentive to buy a car is what they is what they're doing so i mean that's good for the their buddies in the automotive industry but uh it's not so good for somebody that might be looking to get a, a used car right now yeah what if you're one of the people that can't afford five or ten or twelve thousand dollars for a new car what if you're somebody that buys a five hundred dollar or a thousand car that thousand dollar car that's on its last leg if those are all being destroyed this program is hurting you Yep. Thanks for the call tonight, Scott. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Andrew in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Andrew. Hey. Hi, Ian. Hey. I have a question. Yes, sir. You uh, specifically, and the question's in regards to the practice known as dumping. What's How that? How would a voluntary society or market respond to a government uh, subsidizing a market and flooding the marketplace with underpriced goods? What? Okay, dumping oh. is... Okay, so like uh, steel imports, for example... Uh, if the Chinese government is subsidizing its steel industry, they can bring it over here and sell it at half the price, which undercuts the U.S. steelmakers who may not be getting the same subsidies. Mm, and is, it good, is that what your question is? Yes. Um, I, w- I was going to use the example of the TV market. Say you produce TVs in New Hampshire and you are competitive, but say the Chinese government subsidized um, TVs there, and then all of a sudden you weren't competitive because the Chinese government um, wanted to... Uh, essentially flood the market with these artificially underpriced televisions? Good question. You know, hey, I, I, I would say that's the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, you know, I mean, as far as the, the consumer is going to buy what's the best product at the best price, and I wouldn't cer- certainly wouldn't stop those products from coming in because that would require an, initiating force against those people that are, that are doing business with those companies overseas. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't I have a say... solution. Well, I would say good news. You know, people are going to get cheap TVs. 
But I, I would I would also back up and say, now, why is it that the Chinese government has money to be throwing away on these subsidies for, for steel or for televisions or whatever? And it's because they're sitting on a trillion dollars worth of, you know, worthless pieces of paper that are getting more and more worthless as each day goes by. So they need to do something to uh, get rid of that currency. I think the ob- I think the answer is obvious. Uh, we have, um, you know, what hundreds of unused ICBMs in this country and we should launch them to China. <laughs> <laughs> Your thoughts, caller? Andrew? Uh, yes. Um, well, what I was thinking was, would this be the, um, a proper use of a tariff? or um, And also, uh, morally, the, uh, the subsidy is coming from the theft of the Chinese people. So do you have any moral thoughts on, on the subsidy? Well, I th- I'm against... Oh, yeah, the subsidy's bad. Yeah, I, I'm against... Ian and I are going to be in the same um, same place on this. I mean, you can specifically ask Ian, but we all feel the same way about the idea of, uh, you know, t- taxing people for importing stuff into the in, into the country. I mean, how much can they subsidize? How many, how many products can the Chinese government subsidize without vastly inflating uh, their money supply and increasing the prices of all of those products uh, over time? I, am I right about that? Yes. It's it's once again we go back to America is in a perfect place to have freedom and liberty because freedom and liberty to some extent brought us to this place. Another is sort of the the blessing of providence if you will in the location that we are geographically, but China doesn't have the wealth. And by wealth I mean uh, you know raw materials turned into something usable. They don't have the wealth the United States does, so they can't take their they they can't extract enough wealth to crush the United States economy. The United States, uh, you know, should be able to to withstand that, and and they have such a a good economy because of freedom. And so the idea of stifling freedom so that we will uh, be protected from, uh, you know, the free market, be, you know, it, it's it's sort of the circular not logic. That, not so that we will be protected, but that the people making the same product over here are protected because it's it's a special interest uh, legislation is what all these tariffs are. Well, I think that to some extent we are uh, we the people of the landmass called the United States are better off if we produce television sets. How often does this no, happen today I, though with the with the Chinese subsidizing uh, products? I mean, I've never heard of it before. I'm sure it can happen, but do you know, Andrew? I am not quite familiar. I did see something about uh, Walmart and um, a gentleman there was a, a documentary on um, PBS, and the gentleman at one point could compete, but then uh, he was forced out of business because he couldn't compete with the Chinese subsidized televisions being dumped on the market. And I know um, there are some laws against that, uh, anti, so-called anti-competition laws. Yeah, getting involved uh, with the government, having them come in and, and impose a tariff, as you were suggesting earlier, would, would just be a bad idea because would, consumers would have to pay more for the products uh, that, that they were buying. And plus, it's force. You're initiating force against people who are just trading peacefully. While they may be trading with a company that is uh, being subsidized in some way, if we were to start uh, ostracizing companies based on whether or not they receive some form of subsidy from the government, we'll really be cutting out a significant amount of co- uh, companies as far as what we can and can't do business with. I mean, there are companies in this country that get various different kinds of subsidies. For instance, sometimes the local government will offer a company a tax break 
for coming to the area. Oh, you come to, uh, open up your uh, manufacturing plant here, and uh, we'll cut your property taxes by X. You know, that's a subsidy. Eh, uh, it's, 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 it's not. I mean, it, it's, is a, it's, it is a subsidy because they're getting a benefit that no one else would be getting in that particular marketplace. Those, the rest of those companies can decide they don't want to pay property taxes. Aren't you the guy that advocates for I would for love that? That for that to happen, but you subsidy. and I know you, it is a subsidy because the, the government is using their uh, ability to control and tax to favor one company over others. So there's that example, and then there, of course, are other examples of companies that, for instance, might get a, a deal on a plot of land from, uh, or maybe get eminent domain or something like that. So there's so many different examples. You can't cut out all those companies in order to deal with them. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Just got to buy this is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And I want to invite you over to the Free State Project's website. From creating new and old media to political action to civil disobedience and market-based activism, you'll find more pro-liberty activism than you likely ever imagined possible when you move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. You can learn more at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Just had actually a handful of people, about three people, visiting here to the Keene area just today alone. So three people that... Two of them, I think, knew one another. The third guy didn't know those two folks. So people, new people coming over here all the time. And, of course, this is just the Keene area. There's Manchester and Concord, the the seacoast, all kinds of neat neat places, lots of towns and things like that for you to uh, take a look at as far as your moving options are concerned. But if you want to be around the best activists, the best liberty activists in the world, they're here. I'm I'm certain of it. Uh, Come on over to freestateproject.org, learn more, get signed up, become a participant, and move to New Hampshire, freestateproject.org. Uh, you know, just a few more comments on Andrew's call from earlier. He was talking about the idea of product dumping or having a government like China subsidize a specific product category in order to undercut the American uh, manufacturer's prices so they can bring those products into America cheaper, sell a bunch of their products, and maybe put the American uh, companies out of business. And he was talking about it in kind of a free market perspective, in this ideal world that I think most of us would like to see happen, where there are no tariffs and there are no um, government intrusions into the marketplace. You can just do business dealings with whoever you want to without having to ask government bureaucrats permission first. You know, how do we feel about that? How do we feel about the idea of the, the Chinese government subsidizing products and then making their way here to the American market uh, in, in competing? And I don't. I wouldn't feel good about that because I don't like the idea of subsidies. And I think that there are probably a number of other people that uh, that would feel similarly. I mean, there are companies that are made, or there are products that are made by companies in the United States that do a fairly decent business just by ba- you know just by advertising that they're made in the USA. There's a certain well, mostly because they've been run out of business by foreign competitors. Yeah, but there's there's well, there are certain and people the politicians that, in the United States that have uh, you know placed regulations to the point that it's just impossible to I, to compete. I don't I really don't have a problem with it. You know, if the Chinese government wants to subsidize TVs and uh, ship them over here and sell them to me for cheaper, then that's fine. I I don't see why it's an issue. I'm not saying I wouldn't buy the TV. I'm <laughs> just saying that I, uh, I I disagree with the idea of subsidies. I don't. Think oh yeah, that, I I do too. On a, on a political basis, I I disagree with that. 
But I think that there's a significant amount of people out there that like the idea of buying from the United States and would be absolutely pleased as punch to know that uh, TVs were manufactured here again. I don't think there are any televisions that are even put together uh, in the United States these days. And if you didn't have to deal with government regulations and minimum wages and and OSHA and all this stuff, then maybe you would be able to manufacture a TV uh, at a competitive basis with the other countries. I don't know. I'm not in that particular industry. So I can't speak for sure, but I know that right now China is pretty effective at undercutting American companies on pretty much everything without getting subsidies from their government. They don't have the labor laws that uh, we do in the United States. Either. Right, because we've got oppression here that drives prices up. I was uh, listening to the radio today, and uh, I've got one of those internet radios, so I can listen anywhere in the world. They are so cool. You've yeah. got the CC. Cr- Did you get? No, you didn't get no, the CC. Cr- I've got the uh, the um, Allura Tech. They're really starting. From what I understand, that those are really starting. Not that particular brand, but mm-hmm. the whole internet radio phenomenon. These little cubes or whatever that you can buy for your your countertop at home. Really starting to take off. A lot of companies are jumping into that and getting out there. And Free Talk Live and the Liberty Radio Network are both available through the receiver based ones. I don't know about the others. Yeah, we're. Um, each of them have different stuff, and uh, the, the Allura Tech one does too. Not each of them have different um, stuff, but some of them have different uh, delivery systems. And so I right. know we're on at least two of them. They have databases, basically, that they pull the information from. And the listeners, uh, the users of these internet radios, can go to a website typically, and if they don't have their favorite station already in the database, you can just add it. It's just a number of steps, and then everyone that has those radios in the marketplace can then tune in free talk live or whatever you're interested in hearing neat neat products so uh, i was listening to one of the liberal stations out it was in some of the western suburbs of uh, chicago uh, i could just tell by the towns that they were listening on their uh, listing on their traffic reports mm-hmm. but i think that there's there's a store and it's all american made stuff that's their shtick How about that? that's what they sell all american made stuff what do they call themselves i don't know um, okay. but i think they're in schaumburg and so they, uh, I, I, I can't imagine there's too many of these around the country, but mm-hmm. I'll bet people go there and they buy specifically. They they pay twice as much for their irons and clock radios just to, just to support people that that you know make them in the United States. Yeah, you know, I think you're going to have that effect. But you had mentioned, you know, I want these TVs to be made here in the United States, and I don't really have a problem with that. If if you know another government wants to reduce the prices and undercut American manufacturers, that's okay with me. Here's why. It's really the broken window fallacy. If, if uh, you know, the Chinese government doing these subsidies puts t- American TV manufacturers out of business, then what they're going to do is it's going to put pressure on to uh, allow them to go into other areas and develop other products and services. And I think it also creates an incentive for American uh innovation to get competitive to find a way to produce a cheaper tv set or a new technology that leapfrogs over what the chinese are currently doing i bet i'd get a better warranty out of the american tv yes you would and uh, returns are probably a heck of a lot easier too and the the thing you have to ask yourself is uh, well i mean can american businesses handle socialism i mean can can they compete against socialism if not let's lay down and die now all great points Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Well, we know they're getting ready to shove as much socialized health care down our throats as we can handle. Of course, we should point out before we continue this conversation that it's already mostly socialized in this country, which is why there are so many problems. It's so regulated. It's so controlled. And therefore, the prices skyrocket. 
unlike a more uncontrolled marketplace like the computer industry where products continue to get better over time, they continue to come down in price. I mean, I was just marveling the other day at the fact that We've got these flash-based cameras now, which are just so great. The flash cards, uh, you can have a, a video camera these days that doesn't use tape. Tape is done. Tape is so 90s uh, at this point. And uh, you've got this teeny, tiny little card that's like an inch by an inch, mm-hmm. this SD card. And it's solid and it state, holds, too, right? Yeah, it's solid state, meaning there are no moving parts. And it holds... 16 gigabytes. You, you can pay $40 for a 16 gigabyte card. Yeah. And I was looking, and I'm looking at my computer tower, which has one of these multi-card readers in the front that's like seven different types of cards because there's so many different uh, options out there in the marketplace. So they have to build readers that cannot, can read a whole bunch of different types of these cards. That's just one of the things that's going on right now. But it, it's right next to an old three and a half inch disk drive. You remember those, right? You probably yeah. still have one in your computer if it's a if it's a desktop style computer. And it amazes me that the three and a half inch disc has made it this long. It's still there. It's a standard that manages it's, to uh, to stick around. Yeah. It's one point four megabytes. That is a fraction of a fraction of sixteen gigabytes. I mean, a gigabyte is a million megabytes. Oh. Right? Am I right about that? I don't know. A million megabytes, I believe. A thousand. A thousand megabytes? Thank you for that. A thousand megabytes. But that's one gigabyte. So you've got 16 of them on that one little one inch by one inch thing, and it's so tiny. They could probably make it smaller if they wanted to, but you wouldn't be able to hold it. Like, that's how far it has come. I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, yeah, healthcare. We'll get back to that here in moments. 800-259-9231. I was talking about the market advancing. More coming up. You take control. Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Free Talk Live. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, one 800 259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Live streams are included. We have a broadband version, dial-up version, and even a webcam, all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. We'll continue the healthcare discussion. Take your calls about anything. Anthony is in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Anthony. Hi, guys. Um, I just... Uh we uh have a um the healthcare thing was uh we i heard a story about it on NPR mm, what healthcare thing um i heard that about i heard an interview with this guy who was just going on and on about how great it was yeah and uh he was just it was it was unbelievable how just socialist he was he was just unbelievable Oh yeah, they're just going to start letting it out, you know. They're they're gonna. It's going to be pretty obvious, I think, sooner rather than later. Yeah, they're they're pushing the it, and they're making it seem as though um, if you stand against the president's health care reform, because I'm for health care reform, I I certainly mm-hmm. am. Um, I'm just not for the president's health care reform. If you're standing against the president's health care reform, well, then you're you're against health care. Yeah, you're un-American. You're a bad person. You, you want you sick know, people what, to what, die. You want yeah, all those things. Um, so it's it's funny to it's funny to see, but. I can tell you, Anthony. I, I I don't think I don't think there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of hope for victory for truth truth 
justice and the uh, free market way in this particular area. Not on the national scene. Not on the national scene. Any other thoughts, Anthony? I just wanted to tell you this guy was just bad. Yeah, it's frustrating. I thank you for the call tonight. And they're actually, uh, you've seen the ads, or the maybe you've seen the blog posts out there on this, guys, but they are putting ads out on Craigslist, or Craigslist asking for people to step up and start working to promote the health care package and get paid. Yep. So they're, they're paying people to do things like go out to the town halls uh, seminars. And we posted some video over at freekeen.com. Dennis Goddard from the New Hampshire Capital Access uh, television show was at the recent uh, town hall so-called thing that they had for Obama or the Obama thing that they had this week out in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, where there were buses full of people from Massachusetts, sort of the same tactic that they used back during the election to yeah. bus people up here and vote in the primary, because it's really easy to vote in New Hampshire. You don't really have to provide any evidence. It's interesting. I bet they have people in, you know, Democratic operative, operatives in Massachusetts whose sole job is to make sure that they have an army of people that they can bus up to here New Hampshire. to New Hampshire when they, when they have, you know, Democrat, the Democrats need something. I, I watched that video, and I'm wondering who's they, who paid for those buses, and who brought those people in. You I can would, see that. I would expect the DNC. No, there's no, no, there's some fund. It's like the fund for the public interest or something like that. But I, I come saw on. That. I mean, what? so it's a government organization that is funneling this money through? I don't know I who that. they are. I'm sure you could dig into it and find out what corporation is behind it. Okay. Uh, it's probably a corporation, probably a front group of some sort. Uh, inevitably, it's going to be the the same people who are pushing the the healthcare issue. Yep. Just one of their corporate uh, entities, basically, that's out there pushing this. So somebody's funneling money into this fund, and then the the fund is sending money out to uh, you know to get people to push the healthcare thing. And it reminded me of the the lady in Dave Ridley's video at RidleyReport.com, where Dave asks her if he can interview her about the healthcare uh, situation because she's for it. She's for the government healthcare thing. And she has to pull out a, a paper full of notes because she doesn't actually have any real vested interest in this herself. She may care about it. She may think it's a good idea, but she doesn't really know the issues. She doesn't really know what it is that she's she's promoting. She just believes that what she's promoting is a good idea. She just believes that free health care is what people should have. And so she's got a, a, a sheet full of talking points that she has to unfold in order to look at, in order to, to speak to somebody about this uh, this particular issue. And that's probably the level that most of these people are at that are bust into uh, one of these events. They don't know well, a lot about the issue. They're just being sent to be there and go rah, rah, rah and chant and you know, hold a sign and, and wave and look like they're happy about what's going on. And, of course, they are. They're getting a paycheck. And maybe not all of them are. Maybe some of them are just such uh, hardcore leftists or whatever, socialists, that they just want to come out for the, the good of the cause. Uh, but Dennis Goddard recorded video of these people coming off the bus, and he was just asking them one question. Where are you from? And they were being honest with him. They were saying, oh, I'm from so-and-so Massachusetts, so-and-so Massachusetts. One guy was from Maine. Uh, but all kinds of people who don't live in Portsmouth attending a so-called town hall. And as I pointed out on the blog, it's not a town hall if people are bust in from out of town. It's and, absolutely true. And those people get this 
disproportionately large amount of the tickets because right. they did this lottery thing, supposedly, that nobody knows how it works, where you just submit all of your information into the White House and and they just draw names from the hat, apparently. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. And it's completely fair. Uh, they don't put aside a certain amount of names for their people that they're, you know, uh, bussing in or anything like that. They don't have their uh, half of the seats for their operatives. And then the other half goes up for a lottery. And then maybe they get half Democrats and then half Republicans or whatever. Uh, I was they told would never was mostly, do that. I was told it was mostly Democrats at this, in this particular event, that it was not a town hall in that a town hall is open to the public, that. Anybody can come to a town hall. You can sit in there. You can ask questions. It's uh, it's a question and answer thing at, at, at one point. Uh, it's open to the public for participation by the public. This was closed. You had to apply for the tickets. They granted the tickets to certain people. Yep. And Andrew Carroll, who was the... I've uh, decided the, to start ca- calling my car the town hall meeting. I mean, <laughs> if it's going to be a town hall meeting, it needs to be a town hall meeting. Andrew Carroll, uh, who we've talked about on this program, had him on the air. He was the courageous young man who held the butt of marijuana in his hands earlier this year, or in his hand earlier this year, was arrested for it. He is a registered Democrat, and so he got the tickets. Now, I'm sure there were other people that were applying for them, but Andrew Carroll... You got? Did you get the tickets? No. No. See, okay, there you go. So two people in the same area, one not a registered Democrat, the other is, the Democrat got the tickets. So just to give you an idea of who they were letting into this event, wasn't a town hall event in any way, and they were bussing people in. I wonder what it would have looked like had they not have bussed anyone in from outside the Portsmouth area. What would the split in the crowd have been uh, at that particular point? We'll what never the, know. What would the questions have been yeah. had, it, had he not uh, you know, planted questions in the audience and been prepped on, here's how you need to answer this one, and he still couldn't manage to explain why uh, it might not be a good idea to have government health care through his post office example. And I'm not sure the president's entirely in on what's going on. There was, a rec- right. there was one last night, and I, bl- I can't tell you where it was, but the president— Montana. Well, the president's like, uh, can we have some, uh, you know, non softball questions here? You know, he wanted he wanted something from a skeptic. Oh, really? Right, because he was oh, getting funny. lobbed such softballs. It seems to me that likely his, he thought it was a setup. His uh, right, his, <laughs> his, his his troops on the ground are saying we got to make sure that we got to keep these uh, these these people out of here, disrupting these un-American uh, Republican operatives out of here from disrupting our town hall meetings. They're probably doing such a good job at it because, well, obviously. <laughs> you know, if they control the tickets and they only give them out to Democrats and then they have the police outside that say, uh, yeah, you can protest, but you can't go inside. You're going to have to protest over there. Make sure you keep the sidewalk clear. People are going to have to pass through here. Yeah, that kind of thing. Obviously, it's going to work. Yeah. You know what his, his uh, tough question, his hardball question was? I don't know. I don't think you're going to be able to pay for this health care system without raising taxes. What did he say? Well, of course we're going to have to raise taxes. This is an expensive uh, program. Well, he promised and not to raise it on people who make less than two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars. Yeah, so we're unless just going to tax smoke, the rich. Unless they, uh, unless they drink soda pops. Yeah. Unless they, you know, there's all kinds of things on the ground. Eat butter. All kinds of uh, right <laughs> sin taxes out there. Well, they'll figure out uh, produce carbon dioxide when they breathe. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is that they might do, it's not because of the amount of money they make. It's it's about the other sins that they might commit. Mm. You know, obviously, the government has to pay for this. Uh, if if 
healthcare could be provided inside the system that we currently have at, in a cheap fashion where people wouldn't be discriminated against um, based on the the, 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 the their current health health conditions and all these other things the president's talking about. Somebody do that because they would want to compete in the market and they would want to provide the best service so they get the largest largest amount of customers. We'd have that already. It's not possible to do what he's talking about and still have enough money to pay the employees. And they're going to have to be government employees to do this at the same time. It's got to rely on taxes or some kind of coercive funding. Toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. Take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. This is your show. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. We have a lot of features. We give them away. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we ask that you become a Free Talk Live amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. That is amp.freetalklive.com. For three bucks a month, we'll take that money in and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more Internet listeners on board, exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com and learn more about the program. Get signed up, any major credit card, PayPal, some alternative options. You get perks, too, like access to the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. Amp.freetalklive.com. Back to your phone calls. Let's talk to Jeff in Oregon. You're on Free Talk Live, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Hi, it's actually Jesse. Jesse, what's on your mind tonight? Are you guys um, familiar with um, the Whole Foods CEO, John Mackey? Yes. Yes, he is a uh, allegedly a libertarian. Okay, so he wrote an op-ed for the Wall Street Journal, and um, he basically is this a long time ago or very recent? This is like today. Okay, yeah, last night was when I first heard about this, and it basically uh, you know talks about a lot of reforms that will make everything cheaper for people. Okay, and um, it's a really good piece. You know, if you just search John Mackey Whole Foods WSJ, you'll find it. Okay, great. What about um, it? But so here's the thing is um, I uh, have a lot of friends in the music industry up here in Oregon. And uh, so I can't really pick my friends and my associates through politics, mm-hmm. you know. And so um, a lot of my friends, they, they've got statist socialist type leanings mostly. And um, they are just through this op-ed article, which would make things better for everyone. They're calling for a boycott of Whole Foods market. Yeah, um, Whole Foods, it, it's, it, it doesn't seem to have been known widely by the liberal sorts, but I heard the same thing on uh, um, uh, Ste- Stephanie Miller this morning about... She was John. outing him? Yeah, essentially okay. that's what was happening. They're saying oh, um, in, inside the article he says something to the effect of the problem with socialism is that sooner or later you run out of other people's money. Doing, you're doing the Margaret Thatcher quote. And so they're like, that damn capitalist! <laughs> <laughs> We've been sold our organic food by a capitalist this entire time and we never realized it. Right, and, and, and the problem that these pinkos don't quite get is that if, if John Mackey was a um, well, you know, wallet-stealing commie, then... There would never have been a Whole, a Whole Foods. Foods. There wouldn't have been an organic uh, Crap you know, market. Crap would have been rotting on the vine, <laughs> just like it did in the Soviet Union. Right. So these people just don't understand. <laughs> they well, don't their workers it. are very empowered. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Their workers are absolutely empowered because that's how you do it in a free market. Well, wait, give me some examples of how. I know we've heard about this in the past. I, I, th- I know we've talked about Whole Foods years ago, but what are some of the ways that uh, their workers are so empowered? Um, health savings accounts that are provided for them. Anybody who works more than 30 hours. Um, and then uh, that's 89% of their staff works more than 30 hours. Um, and then uh, they have an additional 1800 per year that the company just puts in their uh, personal wellness account. What and else? That's, uh, that's do, for, do, do they, get... they get to choose what they want to spend it on. I mean, you could use it for the gym. Oh, neat. Now, do they also get, uh, like, you know, profit sharing or shares of the company, stuff like that? Do you know? Do you I work know for them? a while ago they were employee-owned. I, I went in one time, and I was picking out a specific kind of chocolate, and one of the employees was helping us find something. Uh, he, he suggested something. We had never tried it, it tried it, and he's, he just offered, hey, do you want to open it up and try some? And I'm like, what? What? Serious? And the, the guy did. He opened, he took one off the shelf, he opened it up, and this is not cheap chocolate. This is some of the higher end Organics. stuff. Organics. I mean, everything in that store isn't cheap. Yeah. He <laughs> That's why it I up. won't shop there. He took a little, a few, couple pieces off, gave one to me and the person I was there with, and uh, we tried it, and then we ended up buying one of the other ones, and he took that one away. Right. And my, um, I, my wife gets particular types of uh, food for, for my son. I, I mean, I can't say that uh, organic food is important to me, and I probably shop at the grocery store that's most convenient for me to shop at and the one that I enjoy shopping at, and I have certainly shopped at Whole Foods and enjoyed their stuff. They have some great sort of lunchtime things. Um, but Oh, the hot lunch there? I've been there. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> um, but my wife has to get this particular type of uh, yogurt because God knows there's something bad in regular, um, you know, store-bought yogurt. And so she gets this Stony Fields or Brown Cow or uh, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it's only, you, you can really only get that stuff at Whole Foods. And I, I guess when she was down in Sarasota more recently... They had started carrying it at Publix also. Seems to me Whole Foods is causing the other uh, grocery stores to step up and provide better More service for their cu- customers. Yeah. So, Jeff, any other thoughts for us tonight? Uh, yeah, just one quick question. Um, I was listening to the uh, – it, it's, it's an archive of the Penn Gillette radio show from a few years back. Mm-hmm. And, and they were saying that you can't say the GD words on the radio. Yeah, you blasphemy. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if there's specifically a prohibition against it. I certainly have noticed that people do avoid it. Uh, There, there is in the FCC, there are provisions that are anti-obscenity and anti-indecency. And the definitions of obscenity and indecency are very nebulous. It has to do with something that would be offensive based on contemporary GD is profane. It isn't obscene. Contemporary community standards. There is also a profanity uh, prohibition mm-hmm. by the FCC, but I don't think they list out what the profane words are. So, well, there's really if you want to use the term profane as in, as for what it means, and I understand it's become to mean other things now, but it essentially is the religious connotation, and GD is probably the biggest uh, profanity that the English language has. I would say that it, um, they, they say that it's uh, you know contrary to the Old Testament where you won't take the Lord's name in vain, but that's not true because God isn't God's name. God is God's title. Um, and God's name is Yahweh. So, you know, you would have to say Yahweh damn, which isn't uh, actually wouldn't be considered you know normal English. That's that's not the kind of profanity that we would be talking about here. So it's very, it's very strange. What makes the material profane? This is straightforward from the FCC's website. 
Profane language includes those words that are so highly offensive that their mere utterance in the context presented may, in legal terms, amount to a nuisance. In its global, uh, Golden Globe Awards order, the FCC warned broadcasters that, depending on the context, it would consider the F-word and those words that are as highly offensive as the F-word to be profane language that cannot be broadcast between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. So apparently the FCC is okay with profanity after 10 p.m. and before. Because kids can't stay up past 10. 6 a.m., uh, but what does profane mean? Did you get an answer from that particular question, Zant? I mean, did, did you actually get a meaningful well, words answer? Words that are as bad as uh, the F-word. The Bomb. Right. There's all, to me, and I guess everybody has their own opinion on this one, but I only see the uh, see you next Tuesday word as being as profane. I actually consider it more profane, uh, you know, as, uh, of, of, uh, excuse me, offensive as the, the F-bomb. But you're not on the FCC commission, so no. it's up to them, right? I right. mean, they're the ones that get the to decide. The F-bomb is just, to me, not as offensive, nor is, uh, well, what's the other one? There's two. Oh, the, the, the other C word. Yeah. Uh, roosters. Look at, look at how outdated these rules are. I mean, they're saying from 6 to 10 p.m. as though kids don't have DVRs these days and they can time shift content whenever they want. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's the FCC, they've, they're not going to be updating their rules for the 21st century That's really anytime only for radio, soon. though, isn't it? I mean, on television, you couldn't, you couldn't do that, could you? Uh, on this, regular broadcast television? I, this doesn't say anything about just do you radio. you F-bomb on regular broadcast television after 10 p.m.? Maybe that not. Just maybe the reason they don't is because of their advertisers. You know, maybe I've there's. Seen boobs on NPR. You've seen boobs After on 10. NPR. Boobs on NPR. Oh, NPR wow. is radio. Or not NPR. Uh, you PBS. Know, uh, PBS. Yeah. 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 Well, PBS uh, is going to be the most likely place at, at least when I was growing up to alone. see boobs. Well, they'll probably be left alone because they are government related, and they could also claim it was artistic. So you know, there was that time when they ran uh, the. Uh, Steven Spielberg war movie with Tom Hanks. What is it? Saving Private Ryan. They, yeah. wrote, they ran that uncensored on network television, and they got away with it because, well, it was art uh, in that particular case. But in the case of Cher it uttering... It's a really great movie. In the case of Cher uttering an F-bomb at some music awards, then that's not art, and, you know, by the FCC's definition... It would have been if she would have had one of her uh, young young men on a, uh, like, a short leash behind her. Then it would have been One of the guys in the sailors, art. the sailor yeah. outfit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Jeff, uh, thank you for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. I don't know if we've cleared anything up for you, but that's the FCC for you. Nothing's clear with these people. And the, and the broadcasters have been asking for years, you know, because they're pathetic and they, they grovel. Uh, they've, been, they've been begging the FCC, please just give us a list of things we can't say. That would um, absolutely be the, that would be the best thing. If you're going to tell people you can't be profane or obscene, at least tell them the words that are profane and obscene. But... Here's the thing is they want to be able to catch you. They they want to uh, I mean I remember that Bubba the Love Sponge he did he did this thing where he was going into one of these massage parlors in Florida and it's amazing to me how many massage parlors Florida can uh, support but one of these su- massage parlors in Florida and, and sort of telling what was going on and you know walking the line as much as he possibly could uh, you know and that's they, the kind of thing they want to be able to go after yeah they want it to be subjective so yes. that they can go after anything that they don't like exactly. yep. as though that segment with bubba was any less explicit because he was towing the line it's still very adult content hour 3 is coming up 
DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the third hour of the show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, That's freetalklive.com. I want to keep talking about the FCC rules and just share a few of them with you just to give you some idea of how nebulous they truly are and confusing. Uh, But first, we go to your phone calls about anything. Evan is in Florida, and you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Evan. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, guys. How's it going? What's up, Evan? Go ahead. Um, I have three things to really talk about. Okay. Um, I'll hit them really quickly. Uh, First thing, uh, I just want to say thanks um, to you guys for... You did a story earlier this year about a a college guy in school in Michigan who got popped in the chest by a a cop um, because they thought he had weed in his place, but he didn't, and and they still shot him. Yep. And didn't they they also charge him afterwards for something? Yeah, yeah, they did, and I actually go to that school. Really? And it was just crazy that you... Um, did that because it really kind of hit home, um, hit home for me. And uh, there was actually some protesting by probably about 50 people outside of the living center that he lived at, but mm-hmm. nothing really became of it. I don't, you know, well, of course not. I didn't. No, the cops yeah. are never going to enforce on themselves. They always cover for themselves. Did so. he end up paying them for their bullet? <laughs> oh man, it's not know. good. <laughs> here's, here's the five bucks back. Sorry about the bullet. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they even evacuated the building when it happened. And just like that's, if I'd have been in that building, I actually did live in that building last year. But like, I'd have been out of there. Like, forget it. But I don't know. Yeah, it was but an anyway, awful story. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, the second question is, um, let's say hypothetically, um, this goes out to um, all three of you, Sam, you know, Mark and Ian, <clears throat> um, if the draft started. And you were supposed you were supposed to enlist. What would you do now? I would not report. Same. Yeah. I I, I just no. I, I can't can't do it. I'm sorry. I'm conscientious objector. Well, you you can't use their terms, uh, Mark, because there are certain rules that apply to conscientious objector, and odds are good you will not fall within those rules. Uh, but. I would just not go along with it. I mean, they're going to send you a letter demanding that you show up in front of a draft board at a certain time, and I just—I don't—I don't know if I would even respond. I don't think I would. I—I I, I don't see so any reason to respond. To you wouldn't even—you would, yeah, wouldn't even flee. You would just no. Go to, no. I guess I'd go to jail. No. no, because I believe that I would. Well, be actually, the, oh, wait a second here. <laughs> I mean, here you go, giving the government credit, like they're looking down out of a big telescope out of the sky. These boobs can't do anything well, right. you got to remember Evan's younger. He's been in school and his, right. his, his, the indoctrination's fresh on his mind. They, they're just, it's, it's not a, they don't have as many bureaucrats as they do teachers at the school. So but They could come oh, get you. They could, absolutely could. Yeah, it's just not likely. 
Okay. I'm just saying, I, I'm not, I, I mean, if I was um, enlisted in the draft, I wouldn't go. I, but I, I'm just assuming that that's what they do is when you don't get, you know, if you don't go, they're just going to lock you up. I mean, then that happened to like a bunch of people in the 60s and stuff. If, that, I if think they, that a lot of people fled in the 60s because, well, they think the government knows where they live. But, and I would encourage you not to tell the government too often where you live as often, yeah. you know, as, as, as little as you can. And, um, you know, I don't think that they can necessarily even find you. Get together. If they drop by one day, uh, you're not there. Sorry, he's not here. Then, then what are they going to do? Get together with other people as well. Uh, obviously, the Free State Project is what I would recommend that will also back you up and also be doing the same thing. I mean, one of the reasons why it makes sense to just disobey rather than run is because there are other people around here who will also disobey. So I would want to be nearby those folks. I wouldn't want to be hiding in Canada. Because Canada doesn't want you anymore, by the way. They've changed their rules about who can and who can't come in there for asylum, that sort of thing. So they are, if they find you, they will turn you over to the United States. So uh, I'd rather just continue on doing my show, and if they decide to come after me, then I'll go to jail. Because I'm not going to go and die in some other country. Question three. Question three. Or issue um, three. Um, it's actually about the FCC. <clears throat> I actually work at the... Uh, at my school's radio station, and mm-hmm. um, we were on AM, but we we're trying to make the transition into FM. The problem is the FCC isn't doing anything, but that doesn't really <laughs> surprise me. You mean as far as you have, guys are applying for a construction permit or a license or something like that? Yeah, but there's, I guess the catch is, like, there's only a window of, they, I called them and they said a, a week, but I said, when is the window starting? They don't know. <laughs> yeah. When did it start last time? They don't know. Yep. You'll probably um, be out of high school before you can even put your put the paperwork in for this station. Oh, he's in college. <laughs> you're in college, aren't you? Yeah, I'm in college. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. College. I thought you said I, your high school radio I'll station. I'll be out of college by the time before even. Yeah. Right. right. And then they even blink. And then, <laughs> and then by the time the paperwork comes back, which will be another half decade, then maybe they'll have their uh, construction permit for the the FM, and then you guys can move firmly into the 70s. And yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's the FCC for you. I think you're better off get, uh, going on eBay and getting one of those uh, FM transmitters from China yeah. and just, you know, go and pirate. Yeah, but we have awesome. an online station, so but I I didn't know like right now we use this thing called Shoutcast. I don't know if you guys know any other good online like radio internet stream. Nope, system. we use Shoutcast. It's good stuff. Okay. Thanks for the call right. tonight, Evan. I appreciate hearing from you. And if you get a chance, put some Free Talk Live MP3s on your uh, school radio station, maybe during the overnights or something like that. Toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. Now, as somebody whose job it is during the daytime when I'm not at courtrooms and doing activism and things like that, uh, whose job it is to call radio stations to get this show on more stations, I have come across my share of radio guys who are telling me of their troubles with the FCC. Just from the perspective of trying to get them to move forward on some sort of application to, you know, change the signal, uh, up the wattage, or get a new AM uh, signal, whatever. There's various different things that these businessmen are out there trying to do, and every single step of the way, they have to go through a central uh, centralized bureaucracy. Radio is one of the the most controlled 
uh, regulated, tightly regulated businesses in the in the entire country, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I'm sure there are others that are, you know hazardous waste or something like that that are fairly tightly controlled. But radio, every move you make, man, as far as the the technical side of things, your transmitter, you've got to go run by these bureaucrats, and they have no interest in doing anything quickly. And what he said about the application windows is absolutely right. If you decide that you want to go and get an AM license or an FM license, if you want to construct a new radio station, jump into the marketplace where you live and, and put another uh, radio selection on the dial for people to choose, there are certain windows where they will accept applications. You'd think that, you know, for the thousands of dollars or however much money one of these application fees costs, you'd think they'd, t- they'd take your application 365 days a year. But no, no, they have a specific window of time. And as he said, Good luck trying to figure out what it is. You have to be an FCC lawyer to figure right. these things out. You have to be uh, an insider, basically, even to get the information. And I think that it's more accurate, instead of calling them windows, to call them peepholes. <laughs> the fact is, these, these things are so rare and so small that the average person just, it, it would, you'd be tantamount to winning the lottery. That might be an exaggeration, but it, it's, mm-hmm. it, you get real darn lucky to get whatever, and they don't even have paperwork you have to create the paperwork it's like really? filing it's like filing a lawsuit you have to sort Gosh. of create their form for uh, them uh, yeah free form out for yourself it's amazing it is amazing mm-hmm. so it's that's amazing yeah and then once you do get the uh, the transmitter i mean there there are the approval there are all kinds of other specifications and things that the FCC wants you to do. There's record keeping. They want you to to notate well, what the, the temperature. Of the, of the engineering of the, these things is just uh, you know the, the first step. You have to do these these engineering studies, permit study right. things. My God, those tens of thousands of dollars after you've paid tens of thousands of dollars to uh, to, to get uh, to, to even get the right to to do the engineering study. Right, as opposed to just taking a transmitter, hooking, uh, finding a clear channel on the FM band, fl- uh, hooking an antenna into it, flipping it on, and testing the wattage to see how far it goes. I mean, what's the engineering study do? They look at the topography of the land, they look at the proposed uh, area where the antenna is going to be, and they try to figure out what the coverage is and the in- interference with the surrounding stations. I mean, there's some some value to to knowing that stuff. Sure. But uh, how about I just drive around in my when, in my car in the city and figure out where the uh, the uh, the darn signal lands? When I turn the transmitter on. Well, you don't want to step on somebody else's signal, but if you start low and work your way That's up... That's what I'm saying. You yeah, find but... a clear channel, and you turn your transmitter on, you drive around and figure out where it goes. 800-259-9231. But that would be too easy. We need a centralized bureaucracy to tell us how these things should be done. That's how regulation Free talk works. Live. Free Talk Live, you can take control of the airwaves if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231, and tonight it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. Inviting you to our website, we have a Facebook page. You can become a fan there at facebook.freetalklive.com. That's facebook.freetalklive.com. I'm taking a new vitamin. It's called uh, Choose for Health Super Fruit Complex. It's chewable. This facilitates digestion. And digestion, as we know, starts in the mouth. It contains goji fruit, mangosteen, acai, and nani fruit. And you can get a, uh, a free uh, week's worth of this uh, vitamin and antioxidant all in one by uh, calling 800-219-8874. It's 800-219-8874. You have to pay for shipping and handling, but you, know, you get to try it out for free. 
Toll-free, 800-259-9231. The FCC, Federal Communications Commission, one of the uh, most oppressive bureaucracies out there. I mean, they literally are restricting freedom of speech, and yet everybody just says, oh, well, we need the FCC. If we didn't have the FCC, then the radio stations be out stepping on each other out there. And I don't know. I understand that was the original intent behind the FCC, and since then they've gotten into the content regulation business. But that's the story uh, for government programs is that the original intent never stays. It always manifests into something else and mutates into something else, and there's new regulations and controls always being laid down. Because they can change the rules any time. Yeah, and nothing will happen to them uh, for it. They're appointed by the president, aren't they, the FCC guys, the the commissioners, or they're appointed by Congress or the president or something like that? So there's no, there's not even a vote that you can hold over these people. You know, and we don't need a governmental body, or at least certainly not a, a federal governmental body, to decide no. who owns property where. And I mean, you know, there are land disputes all the time, border Civil case. border disputes. Yeah, absolutely. People can figure these things out without a giant bureaucracy that's only going to want to grow in power and continue to regulate further and further. And I think that the, the Janet Jackson case is really a great example because. Up until that point, radio was getting more and more risque, and television was honestly getting more and more risque. They were, uh, they, you know, they they were doing, they were pushing the boundaries more and more. And then the 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 uh, clothing mix mishap, what they call that, uh, a nip slip, the the, the wardroom <laughs> malfunction occurred, yeah. and. The, then suddenly the doors slam shut. Bam, 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 bam. You know, this this arbitrary situation occurs and the the FCC has a big problem with it. We're going to we're going to crack down. They begin handing out fines to people for uh, you know, like Howard Stern and Bubba the Love Sponge for things that had happened a half a decade previous. Yeah. It just just We shut stupid. down the show. Yep, we, we talked live shut down because uh, it was getting kind of oppressive at the radio station we were buying time from. They wanted to kind of start telling us what we could what we could do. Uh, but anyway, so so since we're talking about obscenity, which is what the charge was for the Janet Jackson nipple slip or wardrobe mal- malfunction, let me just read for you the definition from the FCC. This is from their frequently asked questions. What makes material obscene? Obscene speech is not protected by the First Amendment. First Amendment. Let's see here. I've got my Bill of Rights Security Edition always on hand here in the in the studio. Not that anyone cares what it says anymore, but just you know to remind the FCC that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech. So I guess maybe this is constitutional because they didn't make a law prohibiting freedom of speech. It's just the FCC that has decided to prohibit freedom of speech, well, and they'll hurt you if you don't speak. So there's no law, right? So it's constitutional. No, he said it's it's uh, not free speech. So it's another category that they've created. So whatever it is that you're saying is not actually free speech. It's this it's other an enemy thing combatant. that they can, <laughs> they can regulate, enemy combatants. So it says here... That uh, it's not protected by the First Amendment, and broadcasters are prohibited by statute and regulation. See, it's not good enough that they just prohibit you by statute. They are prohibiting you by statute and regulation. You knew there was a difference, right? Uh, no. They're double-dog-daring you. Statutes are the rules that the, uh, the, the Congress writes. The regulations are the rules the bureaucrats write. So they're saying, we got you both ways. Prohibited. Uh, but they say here that you're prohibited by statute and regulation from airing obscene programming at any time. According to the U.S. Supreme Court, to be obscene, material must meet a three-pronged test. Number one, an average person. <laughs> and here we are already into the world of the nebulous, right? What is, what an, is an average, average person? person? 
Has the Supreme Court defined what an average person is? I doubt it. They'll know it when they see it. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Applying contemporary community standards. An average person applying contemporary community standards. What community are we talking about? Is it the community of radio listeners in general? Because not all radio listeners are listening to one particular radio station, uh, the same radio station. So is it the community of listeners to that radio station? Well, not all the listeners of the same station listen to the same programming on that same station. So is it all the listeners of the radio show that you're talking about? Is it all the listeners of that radio show within a certain hour? I mean, how how much can you slice the term community down? All of those things are communities. Communities are just groups of individuals, right? Uh, so is it the community of the people that could possibly receive the radio signal? Or is it the community of everybody that's in the United States political uh, geographic boundary, regardless of whether or not? Well, or is it the community... Since they said the average person, doesn't that mean that they would have to take a poll of all the people that were listening at the time of the, uh, the, the offensive statement and then ask them, and then whatever the average person says, they'll decide, you know, the, you average it out, right? I mean, average, an average is math. Yes. So um, they, you would then have to get half of the people to say, yes, that was offensive. I don't think they've ever done that. Of course they wouldn't. That's I wonder if anybody's, thing anybody's ever heard of. Right. And, and How are you going to find out who was listening to the radio? Sure. I mean, for God's sake, if it happened in New York City, you'd be on a, on a 50,000 watt AM that's, that's spanning 14 states. Yeah, but then you, I mean, if you, wanted, if you wanted to, Mark, you could say it was, okay, average people within the community at large. So the entire area, the entire geographic area that could receive the radio signal. So you could go out and do random sampling of people in the community, but would you still be getting the average? Or would you be getting, you know, how, how easy is it to even figure out what the average person is? Of course, if a radio station that was fined or a television station that was fined decided to challenge them on that basis... The, the whole average person basis, they'd probably find their license revoked for some technical reason. Yeah. Right? Uh, so, because these guys will do anything they can to keep their license, which means that if it's a fine, they'll just pay the fine. You know, they'll, they'll appeal through whatever administrative channels uh, they, they can, whatever ways the FCC allows them to appeal. But to appeal based on the actual wording of the FCC's own text... I think that would result in some uh, inspectors coming to their radio station. It could. And, yeah. You just don't know. I mean, maybe... That's well, just how they play it. You know, the political guys will use whatever power they can. But there's more. There's more. An average person applying contemporary community standards must find that the material as a whole, so not just the F-bomb in the middle of whatever the context was, but the material as a whole. So does that mean the whole segment, the whole hour, the whole program? The whole F-bomb. Because well, just the, the F whole, is right. offensive. The whole sentence. We, we've been saying F. So they have to find that the material as a whole appeals to the prurient interest, that is, material having a tendency to excite lustful thoughts. That's what prurient means. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say that. It does say that. Oh, it does. In the okay, it actually FCC's... defines prurient in there. It does. Time. That's great. Uh, you're right. I don't think it used to. And that's number one. That's, all, that's part of the three-prong test. So we're only through one of three prongs here. But, you know, what makes someone something lustful? I mean, I can talk in a lustful manner about things that aren't even... Uh, you know, the, the supple way the ice cream dripped down yeah. the cone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what? Well, what? it has to appeal to the prurient interest of the average person applying contemporary community standards. The that del- makes sense, right? The delicious taste of the pistachio ice cream. More coming up. It's mm. Free Talk Live. Help Free Talk Live via the AMP program for just $3 per month, and you'll get access to exclusive call-in lines, a chat room, and a forum at amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And those features are including the chat room. We've got a lot of people that... uh, like to go and chat it's free of course chat.freetalklive.com best time to do it is during the show that's chat.freetalklive.com uh so we're talking about this obscenity rule by the fcc this is one of those topics that just comes up a year every year or so on free talk live because it's just so interesting i mean people are curious when they hear free talk live talking about uh so many different issues and we cover some adult issues on this show. There's no doubt about it. But one of the things that we don't do is we don't pander to the lowest common denominator. This isn't the kind of you know morning zoo radio show where we're focusing on titillating and, and pandering and things like that. And that's not that's because well, first of all, it doesn't really interest me that much uh, these days. But secondly, it's a good way to stay away from getting the FCC involved in enforcing on your radio show. But people still will will ask us from time to time, well, well, guys, you know, you guys are liberty-oriented people. Why do you why do you care so much about uh, people cursing on your airwaves? And when we're talking about the FCC's rules about obscenity and indecency, cursing doesn't even really come into play unless you're using the F word uh, in a in a sexual connotation, unless you're using it in in a, a pandering or uh, to the prurient interest uh, kind of manner. And so what, the answer, of course, is to protect our radio affiliates. I mean, these are, are people who have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars launching their radio stations and getting their licenses uh, from the FCC. And if we want to stay on their airwaves, we unfortunately have to play by those rules. And you can hear what Free Talk Live is like uh, when we do the ex- the occasional extended Internet edition. It's no rules. You know, I mean, whatever we want goes, and uh, we'll say things that normally you would never hear us utter uh, on the radio, usually just because we can. Uh, but it's just so absurd when you actually start looking at the rules for the FCC and or the, the FCC rules for stations, television, and radio. It really just reveals how insane it must be to run a radio station or TV station in the, in this country. To, to try to uh, avoid these things can be very difficult. Yeah, you know, just be scared all the time. That's yeah. really what it boils down to. Look, look at the effect that it has had on the marketplace. When you look at cable TV or satellite TV, you have a choice of, what, two to 600 channels? Yeah. Turn on your local TV without those those private networks, essentially, and look at how many broadcasters you have. Maybe it's a handful. In, in the, New Hampshire, it's one, I think. Yeah, in the Channel Dallas 9. market, I think we had maybe 10, 12 um, different stations to pick from. And that's a lot. That's a big market. Yeah, all of these uh, all of these rules and regulations are actually killing broadcast TV. They're killing yep. radio. And, you know, you just need to look at what's out there today and what the, what the uh, people who are able to get around those regulations are able to do. Well, I want to try to make it through this definition of what is obscene. Just to give you some idea of what station uh, people, radio station people have to deal with, or television, especially, especially TV, uh, because this specifically has to do with sexual things. And, well, there's obviously more you can show than uh, than what you can talk about in this particular area. But... Nonetheless, it says here that uh, to be obscene, material must meet a three-pronged test. Number one, an average person applying contemporary community standards must find the material as a whole appeals to the prurient interest. And we already dissected that and talked about how nebulous it is. But parts two and three. Part two, the material must depict or describe in a patently offensive way 
sexual conduct specifically defined by applicable law. The material must depict or describe in a patently offensive way. Patently offensive. I guess, if, I guess again, they're talking about offending the average person, applying contemporary community standards, whatever that means. I don't know. Number three, the material, this is the third and final prong, the material taken as a whole must lack serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. The Supreme Court has indicated that this test is designed to cover hardcore pornography. So there you go. So it can't be literature or science that you're talking about here. Very weird. It is very weird. And then, if you want to talk Who's about, to decide what literature is. This is this is once again you're getting into this uh, men in robes, th- this arena of what is art, and you know how much mileage Rush Limbaugh got out of that uh, that piss Christ thing, uh, you know, art that that went on. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely agree that public money shouldn't have been spent on it. But is it art? I'm not the one to say. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. I, you know what art is? Art is what uh, art connoisseurs are willing to spend money on. That's what art is. So obscene speech is banned at all times on television and radio, but indecent speech is allowed between 6 a.m. Excuse me, between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. So let's talk about what indecent speech is, because this is really something that we have to be concerned with on the radio. Indecent speech contain uh, indecent material rather contains sexual or ex excretory material that does not rise to the level of obscenity. For this reason, the courts have held that indecent material is protected by the First Amendment and can't be banned entirely. It may, however, be restricted to avoid its broadcast during times of the day when there's a reasonable risk that children may be in the audience. So again, the children are, of course, always the reason for infringements upon your liberties. You know, my, the children that are saying all kinds of things in the on the playground, we can't have them hear those same words on the television. Yeah, I was walking in front of a couple of kids today, a couple of, uh, you know, the you, you know the guy, who uh, they, they've got the big baggy pants and the hat that's cocked to the side. Yeah. And, oh my God, every word that was coming out of their mouth was F the this, F-bomb. F the S-bomb. Sure. And I'm like, jeez, I was offended. <laughs> yeah, but I can't say I was much different at their age. No, I'm not. I yeah. can't say so either. But it's so you're trying to protect the kids that are actually the offensive ones. What? I can tell you, they're not picking those up on the radio. They're not picking those words up on the radio mm, or television. No. Uh, at least broadcast television. So it says, for this reason, the courts have held uh, the courts have held indecent materials protected, and it can be restricted. The FCC has determined. With the approval of the courts, that there is a reasonable risk that children will be in the audience from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. local time. Therefore, the FCC prohibits station licensees from broadcasting indecent material during that period. Material is indecent if, in context, it depicts or describes sexual or excretory organs or activities in terms patently offensive as measured by contemporary community standards for the broadcast medium. Now, in this one, it doesn't say you have to be the average person. Uh, just contemporary community standards, which again is, I think, nebulous so much that you can drive a, a train through it. In each case, the FCC must determine whether the material describes or depicts sexual or excretory organs and, or activities, and if so, whether the material is patently offensive. In our assessment of whether material is patently offensive, context is critical. The FCC looks at three primary factors when analyzing broadcast material. Number one, whether the description or depiction is explicit or graphic. So you can talk about anal sex, but you can't get detailed. Can't be explicit. Yeah. You don't want to talk about the different methods at which you could uh, engage in such an activity. So we can talk about sexual activity on this show. We can talk about the uh, the adult uh, world, but we just can't get real graphic about exactly how the parts fit together and what goes where. 
Does that make sense? I guess it does. That's my that's my understanding of this. Now, of course, my interpretation doesn't really matter too much compared to what the Supreme Court's interpretation or the FCC's interpretation are. But nonetheless, these are the kind of the rules that we play by in order to lead, to uh, to help our stations feel okay about what they're hearing. Number two, whether the material dwells on or repeats at length descriptions or depictions of sexual or uh, excretory organs. So are you doing an entire segment about uh, urination or in, you know, in the very detailed um, things about that particular topic? Or did you just touch on it briefly uh, during a a longer discussion about something else? Are you dwelling on it? You know, the uh, the F there's a certain F-word skit out there where they use the F-word in so many different ways. That would be dwelling on the yeah, F-word. sure would. <laughs> uh, that would be an example of that. Number three, whether the material appears to pander or is used to titillate or shock. No single factor is determinative. The FCC weighs and balances these three factors because each case presents its own mix of these and possibly other factors. And, you know, they're acting as though they're so... Uh, uh, they're so diligent about this about this particular process. I should point out that most of the complaints that come into the FCC are coming from the Parents Television Council. They are submitting, I think, ninety eight, yeah, ninety eight point something percent of the the complaints on a given yearly basis. And most of the people that are submitting these complaints never actually heard the original broadcast in question. It's just that an email goes out to a list of busybodies, and then all the busybodies respond. And as a result, stations have to deal with this crap. So I hope that helps you understand a little bit more about what they're trying to do. It sure is confusing, isn't it? More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Only moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it now. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features there. They are free. That's freetalklive.com. Also, don't forget to visit Sam on his site, obscuredtruth.com. Enjoy his videos. You can watch them all free at obscuredtruth.com. We go to an average guy in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live, an average guy. Hey, guys. I just wanted to call up and say how some of those rules are you know, very hard for you to even comply to. It being, A, you're a talk show, so you know, even though you may have a call screener, there's really no way for you to know what your caller goes into, so that makes it doubly hard for you to you know, you don't want to put Well, that's why we have the it. magic of the dump box. So we, yeah. we have that technology has solved that particular problem. Thank goodness. Yeah, okay, that's it just plus it says that during the time zone of the local time zone, which you're broadcast over multiple time zones yeah. being your nationwide radio show, so who's to say what hours a child could be listening, you know. Sure, sure. Okay. If we're doing if we were doing a late night show, uh, the FCC does supposedly allows indecency after ten PM. We are obviously starting our show at seven o'clock PM Eastern time. But if if we did a ten o'clock show, if we had any radio affiliates in the central time zone, we'd already be disqualified from uh, from doing indecent content. So that's yeah, that's a pain. If you've ever watched the Cartoon Network, about two in the morning, if a five-year-old wakes up, the content on there in the middle of the night, I can just see the stuff, you know, repeated. You know, some of the some of the late-night car, adult cartoon, Adult Swim, or whatever some of that weird stuff is. But you know, it's, that stuff is even a Cartoon Channel for kids, and it switches in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. So that's way more likely for a child to do than a radio show. But I just think it's you know definitely got to be hard for you to. I guess as long as you don't dwell on a subject, so you can you know quickly. I don't know what's taboo and what's not so it's scary to even you know, if your yeah. caller brings well, up something and the fcc the, is so decrepit it's so old and ancient and you know it's so so like behind. radio shack 
know, well, it's so Radio behind Shack the, turned into. Well, I mean, it's so behind the times. What I wanted to say was that uh, that obviously kids today have so many different ways to access information that uh, wouldn't have been the case in 1950. Now, if they want to go and see boobies, they can go on the Internet and see all kinds of things, things that you'd never even get to see on pay-per-view in the 1990s. The suggestion is that somehow radios um, are so much easier to get than (laughs) uh, computers with Internet access. And I don't know that that's even true. No. I, I mean... At this point, I radio. radio from my car. Right. Most people's it. radios are in their cars, so their kids have to get the keys to the car. I mean, yeah. how much <laughs> easier is it for them to get a hold of the computer and log on? Exactly. Right. You know. Anyway, I just wanted to say, you know, keep up the good work. Thanks but it's for the definitely call. government regulation makes it tough. Appreciate it. Thank you for the call, sir. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. But in order for the FCC to acknowledge that the Internet exists and is, I mean, yes, they are involved in more than just broad, regulating broadcast. But in order for them to come to that conclusion, it would mean they would have to lessen the control. Because if they came to the conclusion, well, I suppose they could come to the conclusion that they need more control over the Internet and that may be coming down the line. But the other choice would be to say, okay, we admit it. It's the 21st century. We know that kids can go online, type in porn or boobs or whatever, and find all kinds of uh, whatever it is they're looking for. Uh, profanity is all over the place. YouTube, you name it. It's not hard to find these things. Indecent, obscene, profane content. That is uh, out there in a massive way on the Internet, and it's all free for, uh, for the taking, most of it. So the FCC could make that acknowledgement and say, you know, Considering that it's the 21st century and all these things are available at the touch of a button, we've decided to back off on our policy and just allow the stations and advertisers and listeners to make a decision about what they want to hear. Because the fact is, if the FCC backed down and decided to no longer enforce content provisions, you still wouldn't hear the F-bomb on every morning show because not every morning show wants to have that kind of show on their station. No. Sure, the Howard Stearns and the Bubba the Love Sponges would still be doing their TNA content, and they'd be able to actually say the exact words they're Which trying would, to say. Which might very well make them less interesting. Because I yeah, think to some water. extent, some people listen to see how close are they going to push it. Push the envelope, and sure. And then at, at that point, it's just not interesting anymore. Kid, Kid Craddock uh, broadcasts a morning show out of Dallas, and it's one of the, the nation's top syndicated national uh, morning shows. And they make it a point to, to produce a family show that the kids can listen to in the car. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they don't even say the word sex. They say uh, doing the laundry. <laughs> so you know, there are shows out there that yeah. will pander to families with kids in the car for moms that are taking their kids to school that you don't betcha. want to have to answer the tough questions. Look at the, the, another, uh, you know, uh, the John Tesh show and uh, who's Delilah at night. I mean, uh-huh. you, these are some <laughs> really, really popular shows that yeah, get really good ad dollars. A lot more stations than we are, I'll tell you that. Absolutely. So if you want to look at uh, shows that bring in money, and uh, you you can't put that... They wouldn't even go on the same stations that would have morning shows like that. So So the market can handle all of these things. Absolutely. I don't want to hear that crap on my radio station. You know me, I'm a soft AC guy when I listen to the music. I I don't want to hear... I don't want that on my music. I like the John Tesh show. I want intelligence for my life. Thank you. (laughs) But, you know, it's no different than any other government uh, solution that that uh, they offer. 
the the answer really lies in them giving up control and allowing the market to to step in and figure out how to provide the service in a way that the community is going to accept that and people totally are would. going to object to. It totally would. Uh, and your point tonight, Mark, I've never heard it before, but it's so br- it's so brilliant. Uh, where you said that in order for a kid to hear the radio, most of them are going to have to get mom's keys to the car. Most kids, when they're hearing the radio, are hearing it with mom and dad. Somebody is driving them somewhere. Grandma's driving them to the soccer game or something like that. That's when kids are hearing radio these days. Otherwise, they got the MP3 player in their ears, and they're probably listening to, you know, gangster rap or something Mm. like that, uncensored. Not to mention that a lot of the kids' toys now are Wi-Fi enabled, and you can go into just about any store or a lot of places that offer these free Wi-Fi hotspots and bring up whatever kind of content you want. Parents don't know what their kids are looking at. They're not... They're not as technically savvy as the kids are these days. But And you were also, and Sam, your point was also right about how the FCC is strangling the broadcast medium. Yep. They won't back off. They won't back down because governments don't operate in that manner. But it's the only real way to save broadcasting is for the FCC to leave them alone and finally let them compete compete in the marketplace without having all these strictures placed on them. Yeah, and it's actually one of the FCC commissioners who took that position and and makes that claim that, look, we're killing broadcast TV. Wait, when was this? Uh, This was a few years ago. Okay, he's probably gone now. Yeah, they got rid of him. (laughs) (laughs) It was uh, back when they were, they had the largest response when they were going to relax the Monopoly rules, how many stations you could own in a certain market. Lord, that was 1996. <laughs> one, of, one of those guys came out and said, you know, look, it's these regulations that are killing broadcast TV. And if we yep. keep going down this road, you're going to have no divert. You're going to have no choice, essentially. Pretty much. And that's that's the way it is. Right. I mean, that's what the FCC is going to do until they've until they've squoze, squoze in, squeezed the uh, the, the last <laughs> drop off. Yes. They, well, I, no, until they've squeezed the last drop of blood from the industry. Yep. They won't stop until they've managed to just completely tap out uh, the entire business. Now, is that going to happen in the next 10 years? I don't know. Some people are predicting the, uh, the downfall of radio. It's still got a lot of life in it. I mean, radio reaches 90 plus percent of, uh, of every, Americans, uh, every American out there, from what I understand. Uh, so the penetration on radio is greater than any other medium out there. Newsprint, television combined, I think uh, it still can't quite reach. Yeah, I mean, there's a radio. hundred million people at least in this country that uh, don't have Internet access, that don't use a computer. But they're riding on borrowed time. They are. Yeah, they, and and the, the less um, re- relevant that they make themselves to the average individual, um, the, the, you know, the, the shorter their time is going to be. The, the content is going to get delivered in one manner or another. Radio can choose to d- deliver that content or not choose to deliver that content. It's up to them. But really the only way that that content's going to get delivered is by competition. And what radio is doing is, is allowing the FCC to limit the competition that they have inside of the radio spectrum right. on, the, on the radio dial. But that's not stopping the competition from delivering their, their message to, the, no, to their audience. There's 100,000 podcasts out there that people can choose from today. Right. People on, people, <laughs> radio station owners and program directors and the people that make these decisions, they don't even realize that there's, there's a whole generation of people out there that don't want to hear what's care. on the radio. They don't care about your Democrat, Republican paradigm that's being shoved through talk radio. Or your music jukebox with the songs they don't want to hear. 
if there were no FCC, uh, you know, regulations in existence, how many of those hundred thousand podcasters would actually set up their own little transmitter and and, and broadcast uh, to their local that area. diversity? Absolutely, and that's where it, that's where the problem comes in because the FCC is restricting the marketplace. Is why everyone has valid complaints about radio. There are mm-hmm. too many commercials. They don't like the music. They don't like you know what's out there. Julia can't stand what she hears on the radio. Where is her electronic music station? It's not out there. In in, mo- in like ninety nine. 9.9% of markets, there is no such thing. But uh, in the absence of government restrictions, anybody who had the spare cash, and it would only take a couple grand, could put their own music box on the radio. Anyway, we're done for tonight. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.